Okay, let's begin. This week's parsha and parsha shlach, we have the story where the Maraglim are told go uh, to throw. They come back, they give the negative reports that they give, and as a result, Hashem says that the Jewish people are not going to enter into Eretz Yisrael. Let's read the psukim that the Ebishter says in the parsha. All of the people who saw my glory, meaning they experienced the Nisim and they experienced Matan Torah, that's Isaisai, Asher Midbar, they've seen the signs, the miracles that I did in Mitzrayim and in the Midbar, and yet, despite the fact that they saw so much about God and Elikus, they tested me, they rebelled ten separate times, and the Gemara enumerates what the ten different instances and where the Yidin were rebelling against Hashem in the Midbar, the final time and the tenth time was the story of the Miraglim, and they didn't listen to me. So God is swearing, that will they, meaning they won't, see the land that I promised, the Chomenatai and all the people who fought against me, will not see the land of Eretz Yisrael. Continues, the children who the spies said, oh, if we go to Eretz Yisrael, we're going to lose the war. Then the children will be the loot. The children will be the loot of war. So to the contrary, I will bring them to the land. They will know the land that you uh, 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 held in a, uh, and regarded negatively. And your bodies, you will die out in this Midbar. Now, we have a medrash that describes what was the nature of the dying out that happened to this generation. This generation, all the people who were old, who were, uh, who were experienced, who were adults at this time, passed away over the next 40 or 38 years. So the medrash describes how this happened. Amar of Levi, how we're going to look in together. This is for Monty. Amar of Levi, Kal Eretz they chose the day of Tishbov. Remember, the Tishbov is the day that the Maraglim. That's good. The is the day that the Maraglim. Uh, they cried that whole night. Uh, that was the day that Maraglim came back and gave their negative report. So on that anniversary, every year, Moshe would give an announcement to Ulachbar. Everyone go and dig. They would go out of their tents. They would dig uh, graves. They would sleep inside what I guess is an open grave. The Shachris, in the morning, Moshe would make an announcement and say, come and let's separate the dead from those who are living, meaning whoever is dead, I guess they were buried right there in that spot, and those who uh, were alive climbed out of their graves and had another chance at life. Then they would, you know, get out of the graves and they would find that there were 15,000 short, the Preutz means uh, plus a little sum, and that was minus the 600,000. So what's happening over here? You have 600,000 male Jewish adults that need to die out in the Midbar. So if you do the math, this happens in the second year. So and there were 40 years in the Midbar, so there's 38 years. So if you do the math and you do 16,000 times 38, it comes out to more than 600,000. If you do 15,000 times 38, it comes out less than 600,000. So it was somewhere in between. There was somewhere in between 15 
16,000 uh, 16, that every year died out, times 38, you end up with the whole 600,000 male population dying out over a period of 38 years. So that's what it's saying here. Chamish, they found that those Chamisha Asar Elef Beprutrut means and an odd sum. So, you, you know, and a little as well. Uh, probably some, uh, a foreign word, probably Latin or Greek or something like that. Um, that was the number. In the last year, the 40th year in the desert, they did the same protocol. And no one died. They all woke up. Uh, and they all woke up the next morning. Amru, so they said, oh, maybe it's the wrong day. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe it's not Tess Ba'av. Maybe it's a different day. Like maybe, so they did the same thing the next day, the 10th. On the 11th. On the 12th. Each one of these days. But when they saw the full moon on two Tess Ba'av, Amru, they said, It seems like a Kaddish Baruch Hu is done. This Gator is finished. All those who have to die out had died out uh, because by now it's the 15th of the month, clear evidence. You know, the 9th and the 10th, you can get messed up. You look in the sky, you're not really sure if you understand what's going on. But the 15th full moon, you can't mistake that. And so you definitely know it wasn't Tisha B'Av. And Chazru Vasru Yantiv. And so in this way, Chamisha Asr B'Av becomes a Yantiv. This is the Gemara talks about different things that happen on Chamisha Asr B'Av, different positive things. This is one of the positive things that happens on that day. Okay, now, what we are going to talk about is a, today's year is about a fascinating Gemara that talks about these people who passed away in the Midbar, how Rabbi Babarchana encounters them. So, uh, a word about Rabbi Babarchana, as we're going to see later. Uh, Rabbi, his name was Rav Abba. His name was Abba. Many Jews at the time had the name Abba. But to be called Rav Abba, it's like you, if you slur your word and you just turn it into one word, it turns into Rabbi. So, Rabbi is an abbreviation for Rav Abba. Uh, and his father's name was, I guess, uh, uh, Barchana. His father's name was Barchana. So he becomes Rabbi Barchana. The Gemara in Baba Basra, in the chapter that begins with Hamoicher Asasvina, has a good few blot of fabulous, fascinating, bizarre, intriguing, uh, miraculous stories. Uh, all around the individual of Rabbi Barachana. And much has been said about, and this whole topic in itself, of how much is, of these types of Gemaras in the Agadita section are literal, non-literal, and that's a subject that we've touched on in the past uh, shiurim. We're not going to go uh, there today. Um, one of the fantastic stories that is present there is how he goes on this trip and he encounters these Mesei Midbar, those who passed away the 15,000 each year over the course of 38 years, and he encounters them. And it's a very bizarre story. And the Rebbe, in 1936, wrote uh, in his Rishimis, in his personal diary, wrote an interpretation of the story that he never said later at a Sicha, uh, at a Fabrengen. Uh, so it only became known after Gimel Tamos, when in Tav Shinovav in 1996, in the summer, around Parsha Shlach, when they published that uh, piece of the diary. And as we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, soon. So first, let's read the Gemara. Omar Rabba Babrachana says, Rabba Babrachana. Zim Lachada, one time, Hava Ka'azlinam Bimidbara, we were traveling in the desert. The Islave, and we were joined, Bahadan, uh, we were joined by Hahutaya, by a certain uh, uh, Arab, um, by a certain Arab traveler. Wait a minute, he's more than one person who was, who was going with him. Not clear. Okay. Omar Lee, so the Taya, the Arab uh, guy, tells me, let me show you the dead of the Midbar. So meaning the Arab uh, tour guide here knows the location in the desert where the Mesei Midbar are buried. 
Ozli, so we went Chazisinu, and we saw them. Um, that's interesting, you know, they weren't covered, they weren't buried, so apparently not. Apparently, they're out in the open. Yeah, so Rav Avrachana is living in Babylonia. So that's quite a distance to go to the, the desert. To, like, what was that? In desert, is it even possible to like... To for, for what? For like bodies to remain intact? Uh, physically, no. Uh, that's, uh, I don't no, think so. Okay, uh, again, that, this really gets into the... You, there are a lot of fantastic stories there. Again, it gets into that broader conversation of literal metaphor. And there are different traditions on, on how to understand these things. I think most people, even in the Ashkenazi tradition, which were more inclined to go with the literal, even here, I think we're more uh, inclined to go with the non-literal. Okay. Chadisinu, um, we saw them. Vidamu, and they looked like keman de mivsimi, like chayev inish libsume bepiria. Mivsimi means intoxicated, inebriated, drunk. They looked like they were inebriated. Veganu apirkid, and they were lying on their backs. And one of their knees was erect. Um, yeah. So, imagine this is the leg. So, it looks like that. You know, instead of lying flat, it's like this. And so the Arab traveler went under, was able to go under the knee. While he was riding his camel. And his spear was erect. And it still didn't touch the thing. So really, this is, he's a huge body. He is so tall that the Arab on a donkey with an erect spear is able to go under, and he doesn't hit him. So I cut off one corner, the tchilta of the tchelas. We'll just understand that to mean the corner of the tzitzis. Of one of the dead of the midbar. But then we weren't able to move. I wasn't able to travel. We weren't, I, I became stuck. Amarli, so the Arab told, asked me, Dilma shakalta midiminayu, maybe you took something from them. Uh, Ahadre, if you did give it back, digmiri, for we have a tradition, demande shoku midiminayu, anyone who takes something from them, loy mistage le, meaning uh, won't be able to move. Meaning other people have tried this in the past, they come, they're like, hey, let's raid uh, these bodies, and whoever does it is not able to move. Ozela darte, so I went and uh, I um, returned what I took. And then we were able to move. When I came to the rabbis, Amruli, they said, Call Abba Chamra. Every Abba, remember his name, Rabba is Abba. Call Abba Chamra. Every Abba is a donkey, meaning you're as dumb as a donkey. And every Barbarchana is a Sikhsa, is another word for a Shaita. So they basically cursed him out in very harsh terms, saying that he was unwise. Why? Why? For what halachic purpose did you cut off the corner of the tzitzis? Obviously, lemeda, you wanted to know, you wanted to know if the tzitzis were done in accordance with beishamai or beisilo. This is like doing, using archaeology in order to prove what the right halacha is. And uh, this comes up in multiple, like if you find old fillin, you could try to see. You have Rashi or Abedin Utan. This was like done, right? Old fillin, the reality is that both were found. Um, uh, so here also, like you're trying to prove the machlekes. What's the machlekes? There's a machlekes. Our tzitzis is four strings that are folded over and fall into eight. The truth is that's Beishamai's opinion. Beisilo said it's three strings that fall over to six, that turn into six. And so that's one debate. Another debate is how long does the string need to be once you're finished with your knots and your holiest? How much string do you need to have here? And there's a debate between three fingers and four fingers. And Beishamai uh, 
uh, says you need to have three fingers and Beis Hillel says you need to have four fingers. And so, why did you cut it? Obviously, you wanted to figure out what's the right way. So, if so, why don't you just count the strings and count the chulias in order to be able to tell which was right, which you didn't do. And so, therefore, you're not uh, a wise person. One of the things that Mepharshim uh, address over here is what's with the harsh language toward, toward a fellow rabbi. But the truth is, it's not the only time in the Gemara. You have many other examples of a harsh statement that's said to another one of the Amaroyim when someone didn't like what he said. And so really, if you want to understand that, you have to look at all those statements together and address them in a, more, a broader way, which we're not going to do right now. Just go to the what was that? We're just going to <laughs> Okay, but that's not recorded in writing, though. Okay, fine. Now, we, the, as I said before, the Rebbe's Hashim on this, we didn't have until Tavshin Unvat. But what we did have is that in Tavshin Ahmed Bey, the Rebbe printed stuff from his father. Basically, when Rebbe Sakana came out of uh, Russia, she brought with him stuff from the Rebbe Levi Yitzchak. And um, I think stuff came out after. In Tav Shalom Beis, the Rebbe published Lukut Levi Yitzchak that had the writings of, uh, of the Rebbe's father. Tav Shalom and Alf Shalom Beis. Over the course of two years, the Rebbe published stuff from his father. Huh? Like the Russians probably got them out? Yes, yeah, some of the stuff. This whole, yeah. And uh, in the, one of the volumes, I believe the last volume, uh, you have a few letters. And the Rebbe writes in the Pesach Tavar that these are letters that, he, the, that I was Zeichah. The Rebbe writes that I was Zeichah to get from my father between the years 1929 and 1939 or something like that, and I'm publishing them here. So one of the letters, uh, which comes from Baruch Hashem Gimel Shmois, the winter of He Alafim Tov Reish Sadik Vav, just in a, uh, an order that's different. So that's 1936, or the end of 35, um, uh, beginning of 1936. The, the Rebbe's father was in the Nepa Petrach. And the Rebbe, the letter begins, at least in the uh, printed version, Va'ircha Berashe Prakim. I will, I will uh, give you Ha'aris in general terms. Bidvar Hamaimer de Rabba Babarachana, about the passage of Rabba Babarachana Bahataya about this Arab traveler, Imam Eisei Midbar, that you spoke about. So what meaning, what happened here? The Rebbe spoke about this in a shul in Paris. And the Rebbe's Rishimus, many of the Rishimus that the Rebbe had, was preparing for something that he was going to speak. And indeed, in this Rishima it says, mix us be What that means is, the Rebbe did this a few times, you see, where the Rebbe prepared a lot, and then the Rebbe wrote after he spoke in shul, or by the chasanas, you see this too. I only spoke a little of this at the chasana or in the shul. So, so this happened sukkah. in Sukkot's Tafrei Sadek Vav. So it doesn't have to be that he wrote it during Cholamayim. Yeah, I don't know yeah, when the Rebbe wrote. Yeah, I don't know when the Rebbe wrote it. Wrote it after Sukkot. Don't know. Don't know when the Rebbe wrote it. Mixas Vebeis Haknesas, and then the, the Rebbe did. Is the Rebbe sent a message to his father about what he said, and so the Rebbe is responding to that. And the, you have a long, and the Rebbe Yitzchak is responding to that, and the Rebbe Yitzchak goes a long Kabbalistic thing that is very hard to understand. Meaning he takes the same story that the Rebbe was dealing with. The Rebbe doesn't do it Alpi Kabbalah. The Rebbe does it Alpi Chiddus. The Rebbe's father, in response, says, "Let me show you Alpi Kabbalah. The same thing. Sviris, a lot of Rosh Tevis. It's very hectic." Okay, so that's that. Now, let's see what the Rishima is actually says. So the Rebbe starts like this. Um, uh, I'm giving you the Rishimis without the Pianuchim, which means this is the way the Rebbe wrote it word for word. Uh, when they published the Rishimis, they did, gave you this, and then they also gave you an elucidated uh, a version, um, but we're, we're going to stick with the non-elucidated version. says the Rebbe like this. May say Midbar, the people who died in the Midbar, the Rebbe would leave a blank 
with the idea that maybe one day he'll come back and put in the actual page number, which the Rebbe never did. Uh, what does it say in the Kutatayra? We all know this because we learn all the six of the Rebbe about Parsha Shlach again and again and again. That there's a whole other deeper layer to the Moraglim story. It's not that they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael because they thought they are going to lose a war. They actually were not interested in the Avodah Hashem that comes about through living in Israel and plowing the field and doing all that. They didn't want to do mitzvahs, mitzvahs. They wanted to do Torah. They wanted to do davening. They wanted to do faith. They wanted to do spirituality. Um, uh, mitzvahs, mitzvahs that you need to do might of a pile, that was not their thing. And this is a chiddush that the Rebbe developed from the Torah, and then the Rebbeim subsequent to that elaborated on that theme. And that is the big idea that the Rebbe is going to use to interpret this story on the fact that, what well, you're talking about spiritual giants. Okay? If you're talking about people who, they don't want to do mitzvahs mitzvahs because they want to engage in other stuff, they want to engage in other spirituality, we're talking about spiritual giants, and this is, this secret, this message of that we're talking about spiritual giants, who made a mistake, but spiritual giants, that comes across in this Rabbah Barbarachana story. V'zehu may say, Meloshin musav mispar, mesein mispar anashin. The Rabbah quotes from two different psukim, where may say can mean the dead. But that, that very same word, men, soft yud, can mean people. You have vehimusav mispar in Parshish Zeicha Bracha, and misay mispar in, um, what you say in davening, the yoytcha misay mispar, kemat v'garimba. We don't mean dead there. What we mean is a few people. So somehow the word misay in biblical Hebrew can mean people. So v'zeo misay midbar, people of the midbar. What does that mean? V'lo yishuv. People of the midbar and not yishuv. Yishuv means that I live a regular life, a physical life. A person of the Midbar means I, I don't live a physical life, I live a spiritual life, uh, like the Avois. They live in the Midbar, detached from Oilam Haza. So we're talking about Mesei Midbar, people of the Midbar, the, the, uh, pe- people who live a, a, a life that's separated from Gashmis. Ki gama Gashmis because even their Gashmis wasn't so Gashmistic. Where do we see that? Two examples. Number one, Haman Their food didn't have any... Uh, waste to it, which really showed how it wasn't the type of food that we, where we eat where there's always waste. The fact that there was food without any waste uh, coming through their bodies really showed that their f- eating was a, a spiritual experience, and the Rebbe refers to Yuma without, with the extra space for the Das to perhaps fill in at a later point, uh, where it says that the man didn't have silence, and also there's the Pasek Samlascha Leivalsa, that the Jewish people's clothes, miraculously, didn't wear out, which also shows that even their Food and even their clothing, it's not regular food and clothing. You're talking about people who are living a very detached uh, existence, spiritual existence. And then the Rebbe continues, You're talking about what, the, uh, what we call um, that these are, are uh, a generation of people with great knowledge. And about them, it says, There's a Pasik in Tehillim that says, Gather for me my dedicated ones, those who went into a covenant with me over a carbon. And that's a Pasuk in Sanhedrin that one opinion says applies to the Mesei Midbar. So, what the Chiddush here is, because Chiddush says that there are spiritual giants. We look at Nigla. Nigla looks like you're talking about people who didn't have faith, who didn't believe. So the Rebbe is showing you that, no, you see, even in the Gemara, that it takes this Pasuk, Isuli Chasidim, calls them Chasidim, the people went into a covenant with me on, uh, over a carbon, and it's referring to uh, uh, these uh, people. Although there is a debate about this, we'll read the debate in a second, uh, which means there's another view that says, no, 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 they weren't, this pasuk doesn't apply 
to the Mesei Midbar. Ha'ka'amar, Pai Betoises, Toises here says, the Isa Kamanda Amar, that our story, the Rav Avarachana story, follows the view of Yesh Lahem Chelek Lo'elam Haba. Okay, what's going on over here? So let's go to the Gemara in Sanhedrin and actually see what the Rebbe is referring to. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says as follows, Tanu Rabbana, we learned in a Brisa. The people who passed away in the Midbar, they are not coming back. They don't have Chiyas HaMesim Shanemar. Because the Pasuk says, In this Midbar you will die out, and there you will die. It's a double language. Why do you have a double language? You will be wiped out. The second word is And so therefore, this is Divrei Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is the one, by the way, in Sanhedrin, who is the great excluder when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to Haseras Hashatim, he also says they're not coming back. When it comes to Dara Midbar, he says they're not coming back. The Gemara says, Rabbi Kiva, what happened to you? You're the big lover of Jews, and all of a sudden you're excluding people from Tchiyas Hamesim. So the, one of the Amaroim was quite surprised that Rabbi Kiva was doing this. Eliezer, on the other hand, who was known as a stricter person, he took the other view, both for the Haseras Hashatim and for the Mesei Midbar. He says, Rabbi Eliezer, boy, they are coming back. Shenemar, that pasuk, Isuli Chasidai. Gather for me my dedicated ones, those who went into a covenant with me on a carbon. And he darshans, who went into a covenant with Hashem on a carbon? It's the story at the end of Parshas Mishpatim, where the Yidin bring a carbon and they go into a bris with Hashem. And that's going on who? The Dar HaMidbar. And so therefore, Hashem is saying, Isuli Chasidai, Hashem is calling them Chasidai. So it must be, they're coming back for Tchiyas Amazing. Okay. So you have this Machloitis. Now, says Toysis, and our story, Toysa says like this, the Damu commanded Mifsimi, Toysa says, it looked like they were drunk. Zok Mashma, it is implied here, command Amar Bechelek, like the view that says in Parakelek and Sanhedrin, that Mesa Midbar Yeshalem Chelek Lelem Haba. It sounds here like Rabbi Eliezer. Now, what does Toysa mean by that? It's a little vague. But he's, I think he's looking at the story generally. We're talking about people whose bodies have been preserved hundreds of years later, in a miraculous way, you're even able to see their faces and the complexion and the color on their face, and it looks like they're inebriated, they're, they're, they're intoxicated, their faces are upward. That doesn't make sense according to view that they're not coming back to Tchiyas Amazing. That sounds like, if their bodies are preserved, it sounds like they are coming back. And so Tosa says that this story is mashma, like the view that says they are coming back. So now let's go back to what the Rebbe is saying. The Rebbe is saying you're talking about spiritual giants. And you see it in Nigla, the fact that Isuli Chasid, the curse of goes on them. I, there's a machloikis? Yeah, but our sugya, to remember, our sugya negates Rab, uh, Rabbi Kiva, our sugya follows Rabbi Eliezer, and so therefore we could totally see this story as referring to them as spiritual giants who are going to come back for Tchiyaz uh, HaMesim. Then the Rebbe says an amazing thing. What about the fact that there's another view? Or he's just going to completely negate the view of Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva said they're not coming back. Which implies they're not good people. Remember, the Rebbe's whole foundation here is you're talking about great people. But Rabbi Kiva seems to be saying otherwise. Dr. Rebbe, inviter in the Rishima, number eight. Even according to the other view that says they're not coming back, doesn't mean literally they don't have a chelik lo'elam haba. The Rebbe says here, means they're higher. It's a big Kiddush, because remember, how does the Mishnah start? <coughs> Every year has a Chilak al Here are the people who don't have a Chilak al and it lists a whole bunch of evil people. And then, in this conversation, you have Mesei Midbar, and what the Rebbe is saying is, oh, Elam Chilak al at least apply to here, but you can open the conversation about the other ones as well. I'm not saying what the answer is going to be, but at least for here you can say, Elam Chilak al means they're higher than Elam Haba. And so therefore, it doesn't, it's not a spirit to the fact that I'm presenting here, these are great people. I, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva would agree also. 
They're such high madrega, they're higher than Elam Haba. Now the truth is, this idea of Lamaila Mechelech Elam Haba was stated before. So in the Ha'aris of the Rishimis, when they put it out, they gave a few sources of earlier people. So one of the earlier Megala Amukis was a, a commentator, Amnasim Nata Shapiro. Um, I believe he, he wrote his commentary, I believe, in the 1600s, but I don't remember. And he has an interesting pirush, Alpi Kabbalah, if I recall correctly, Allah Torah. And he says a similar idea. Look what he says. They don't need it. Why? Because they already had it. They saw God by Kriyas Yamsov Amru, and they said, This is God, and we will make him beautiful. Meaning this, meaning we see him, we experience him. We need Elam Haba. Why do we need Elam Haba? Because we never had a face-to-face encounter with Hashem. They already had a face-to-face encounter with Hashem, so they don't need it, and so because they don't need it, they're higher from it. So this is also uh, 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 very similar to what the Rebbe's idea here is, uh, uh, showing that even Rabbi Kiva could be supporting uh, this concept. Now, as a parenthesis... What does Elam Haba mean in this Context. But, but, but so, so they already had Tchir uh, So the Megala Mukhi says, yeah, that the, what Tchir is that a soul in a body should have a face and face encounter with God. They already had it. So, so then they don't need it. They, they don't need it. it. Yeah. It does sound like the difference is that Megala Mukhi does seem to be saying they're taka not going to have it, but not because they're bad, wicked, and undeserving. It's just because any advantage a Jew would have at Chiyas they already accomplished that, and therefore they don't need it. So even that gets you to where the Rebbe wants you to go. The Rebbe Kiva is not downgrading them. It's not saying they're negative. It's just saying they're so high they don't need it. The Rebbe's point was a little different. Elam Chelek means that they're higher from, than it. doesn't mean they're not going to have it, but that's a nuance different, and, and, and I, I don't want to get too far into that. I should say parenthetically that when the Rebbe did once talk about this in a Sikha, the Rebbe gave a different way of circum- circumventing, so to speak, Rabbi Akiva. This has to go around. It has to go around. Okay. Say Shema. One, two, three. Ah. Oh. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Um. So, uh, the, the Rebbe says a different idea, a different interpretation, a, a different reinterpretation of what Rabbi Kiva is saying. The Rebbe, I'll just say it outside. The Rebbe quotes that there are two different chazals about how Tchiyas HaMesim works. One is that there's the etzimuluz, there's a certain part of the body that's indestructible, and the body gets rebuilt from that. There's another uh, chazal that speaks about Tchiyas HaMesim, comes about when a, a person's body from a sarvod rokov, Sarvad Rakov means a spoonful of, 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 of waste, where the body pasha turns into nothing. And the, the, the Rebbe says these are two different ways of understanding Tchiyas HaMesim. Is Tchiyas HaMesim like, you exist, we're just going to kind of rebuild you, but you're, already, you're still here? Or is it like really a whole new beginning? And the Rebbe learns that maybe when Rabbi Kiva said certain people don't have a chelak lelam haba, it was like, regular Jews, at some luz, and you build that up. And so in that sense, it's a continuation of their past existence. Others who ain't chedek haba, they're coming back, but they're just their body is going to go through a, a, a complete destruction before it, it, it before it uh, before it uh, is rebuilt. So the Rebbe learns that maybe that's what Rabbi Kiva means about them. Which again, what we gain by that is that all of a sudden we're not saying they're so evil; they're not coming back to Tchiyas Amesim. Just that they have to go through an extra transition in order to get there. Either way, any com- other question: How come they were so complete with the 
Oh yeah, that would be a little bit of a yes. That would be a little bit of a a, a problem. Correct in terms of the sicha. Okay. So so far, what did we do? The Rebbe learns that uh, the, the Rebbe didn't start. The Rebbe, the main point is may say midbar. These are the dead of the midbar. You're talking about ruchnistic people, great people, and he, according to all opinions, Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Kiva, great spiritual giants. Okay. Now let's continue reading the story, how the Rabbah Barbar Khana's story uh, is interpreted based on this. Number 11. They look like they were intoxicated. Says the Rebbe, This is similar to the concept of Nadav and Aviyu, who went into the Mishkan when they were intoxicated. And it's also similar to the concept of Ben Azai Hitzitz that Ben Azai uh, looked, peered into uh, the Godhead, and he died, which is a Gemara in Chagiga. What's that I've been doing here? This is something we're familiar with. There's how do you understand the Chait of Nadav and Aviyu, and the Rebbe basically brings from Or Chaim that the Chait of Nadav and Aviyu was not that they were in the wrong place, wrong time, not that they didn't bring the carbon that they weren't supposed to bring, and not even that they were drunk. The Chait of Nadav and Aviyu was that they had, not start, I shouldn't even say the Chait of Nadav and Aviyu, the story of Nadav and Aviyu was that they had close enough. And wine is a metaphor for this idea of wanting more and more of God, where you get, so to speak, drunk by God, and so much so that as a natural result, their souls left their body. This is how the Rebbe interprets another Benaviyu many, many, many times, based on Or HaChaim. Ben Azai, he's one of the people who Nichnas Lepardis, he has some sort of uh, spiritual vision, and he also has a Chloe Tanefesh, and that's how he passes away. Says the Rebbe, the Mesei Midbar, once you establish that they're spiritual giants, and once you establish that these were people who didn't want to live a physical life, they wanted to live a spiritual life, you could say the same thing. That these were people who looked like they were drunk, it's the same, we're invoking the idea of wine, we're invoking the idea of drunkenness to say, these are people who went on a spiritual mission, a spiritual quest of Chloe Tanefesh. Now, interestingly, here too, in the Ha'aris, they bring that there was a commentator, uh, a very famous one on many of the Midrashim who said a very similar thing. Uh, he was Reb Chanoj Zundel. He wrote the Sefer Anaf Yosef. And if you look at what he says, he also compares this story to Nadav and Aviyu. He also uh, says that the same thing applied to the Mesei Midbar, that you're talking about people who, uh, just like with drunkenness, you took too much wine and therefore it had a negative result, so too with spirituality, you took too much spirituality took too much of God, so to speak, and as a result, you end up having close on So he actually gives a, a very similar uh, interpretation. Let's continue in number 13. Then we say, Viganu apirti. Oh, they were lying on their back. What is the symbolism of this? Says the Rebbe, Kol pnimiusam lamayla. Their entire face, we were they oriented toward? Where were they looking at? Where were they interested? And their face, meaning their premium, not just Bichitzainis, their whole being was oriented toward what? God. Okay? And the Anav Yitzhiv also, in his interpretation of this, says the same thing. Everything was a heavenward. They wanted to behold God. They consumed, but were not sated by the pleasantness of Hashem. Okay, now. The Rebbe continues with his interpretation, but in order to continue, we need to go and uh, do a little bit of an introduction. The Gemara and Nidah says as follows, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Layek, he would curse Aman the Gane Apirkid. He would curse those who would lay on their backs. Uh, and Bapashtus, the reason for this is lying on the back for a male uh, could invoke lewd uh, thoughts. And so therefore Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was against this type of behavior. 
So the Rebbe now, uh, you have like a question. What's going on over here that you have that they were lying on their back? Sounds like they, went to the, they were in the same position that they went to sleep in. They went to sleep on their back. That's what it sounds like. So how is that okay for people to go to sleep on their back if that's not something that's appropriate? So the Rebbe says, Vine bebrachis and it's two different gemaras. Megane, it, it, it um, disparages man de shachiv apirkid, a person who lies on his back. They were lying on their back when they were alive. As here, Toysus, and the Rebbe left blank to put in the Dibra Maschel, Toysus brings the Medrash that we quoted earlier in text number two, that they were here because they were lying that way from when they went to sleep. Toysus here has a discussion about where, whether you bury someone in Tzitzis. There's custom to bury people in Tachrichin and sometimes a Talis. Should there be Tzitzis there? So Toysus invokes this story and says, look, there was Tzitzis on these dead people and gets into a discussion of whether we should be doing this and shouldn't be doing this and I understand that there's... They were alive. Uh, Ah, huh? oh, so Tzitzis is discussing, that's part of the discussion. Some people think we should bury with Tzitzis, some people think not, and this is a big Tzitzis on, uh, on this uh, subject. Uh, so, uh, so what's going on over here? They're lying on their backs when they were alive, which is inappropriate. The reason you're not allowed to do it is because of the lewd thoughts. But we're talking about spiritual giants. If so, this is not Shaykh to them. These are such these are so separated from Haviyaz and Mazda, they're so separated from the ways of the world that therefore the whole din doesn't apply to them. This whole thing of not lying on their back wouldn't have applied to them. Okay. The Rabbi continues with his interpretation and says, now we're gonna say how great these people were. How great? Shagam even if we're talking about the uh, the Yerech. The regal their lower level, right? We spoke about the some, the the fact that they had their uh, their uh, the guy was going under their knee. So that represents their lowest level. Hava sekifa. Their lowest level is high up. The foot, the knee is low down. Their lowest level is high up. Okay, that shows that even their lowest level was a very high level. Vaad kama, how high? Shataya, taya means a soicher, a business person. Einai, ela, moitzi, mereshus, lashus, aidei, kasevazav, tchilu, verechimu, beinyin, knan. And then, um, which is, ish Yisraeli, ha'isek, b'mitzis, maitis. Okay, a little background. Chsidis teaches that knan means a businessman. A business person. What does a business person do? A business person is different from someone who's, let's say, a farmer. Why? A farmer, he creates. He's actually contributing something. He takes a seed and he turns it into fruit and, he, and, and, and he, he brings into the world something that didn't exist before. What's a business person do? business person doesn't do, create anything new. What he does is he buys from here and he sells from there. The product is the exact same thing, but he takes it from the rishos of one person to the rishos of another person. That's what a soicher is. Kanan, I know it's a nation of Kanan, but Kanan also means a soicher. And so, what is this in Avoida? The Alter Rebbe Lukot Torah explains that this is Avoida of a Yid. Avoida of a Yid is that he takes something from the Rishos of Klippa and brings it into the Rishos of Tusha. It stays the same thing. It's the same object. It's a phone. But, till now, it's in the Rishos of Klippa, whatever it is, and a Yid, through doing a mitzvah, brings it from the zone of Klippa into the zone of Tusha. How through my son is this? So that's not like a farmer. That's like a business person taking it from one domain to another domain. And how, now how does a business person do his business? With money. What type of money? You have two types of money. Kesef and Zav. 
Chassidus explains Kesef and Zav. Kesef and Zav represent two different types of emotions that go along with Avedis Hashem. Kesef is Ava and Zav is Yira. And so, basically, the concept of a business person is he does Maisa HaMitzvah coupled with the emotions of Ava and Yira. And when he does that, he successfully takes from the zone of Klippa and brings it into the zone of Ketusha. So we're dealing here with a Taya. A Taya also means business person. So that represents the Jew, this Arab, represents the Jew, who is successfully doing Mitzvah Smythias, which is what the Meraglim didn't want to do. The Taya represents the Jew who is doing Mitzvah Smythias, and he's going under their leg, which is their lowest level. Which means these guys are on such a high level that their lowest level is higher than this guy who's successfully doing Maisa Mitzvah, they are in a higher Madrega than, uh, than him, which is the meaning of him as the Taya as the, as the Knani, as the Soicher, uh, he's doing mitzvahs, he's going under them. Then the Rebbe goes further. And the Rebbe says that he, that he goes through uh, on a camel. He's going on a camel under them. And the Rebbe finds a significance in uh, uh, the camel. So here, uh, this is a little... Um, uh, um, okay, I, I guess we'll see for ourselves. But the Rebbe quotes as follows. The Gemara says like this. When you have a gomel that is copulating uh, with other camels, and you find another uh, camel that is dead nearby, then you know that the male who was busy doing uh, the pru-uruvu uh, is the one who is the killer. Uh, you could assume that animals, when they mate, they sometimes get violent, and, um, and so when, if, if there's an animal that's dead there, you can know that the male is the one who killed that other uh, animal. They were probably fighting over the female. Now notice how the Lashon of the Gemara is, ha'oicher bein agmalen. So why, what is this terminology of ha'oicher bein agmalen? So Rashbam uh, right away tells us, gamal ha'oicher, ha'oicher means asuk betashmush revia, he's doing the act of copulation. Uh, why is it called the word ha'oicher? Damrim b'b'chores, because the Gemara b'b'chores says, l'gabay tashmush gamal, about the copulation of a camel, that is achar keneged achar, that it is done where the two animals are facing back to back with each other. The stam behemis v'shash tashmish mishtagoyz they go crazy umakin tzcharim zehazeh when they are in heat the males are hitting each other kach shemaytemer abenu ziknai menuchasei kaved remember uh, Rashi is the Rashbam Zaidi so he is quoting here from his Zayda uh, Rashi that this is what Rashi told him so. What was that? They didn't have National Geographic. Have national Geographic. So the Ben Yohayada in number 19 says something very interesting about that. He says, Tana Gomel Ochar Kanegad Ochar, Hine Payirenu Baghdad, Yogen Alekim, here in our city Baghdad, right? The Ben Yishchai, uh, who passed away in like 1902 or 1903, he was the Rav in Baghdad for many years, and he wrote a commentary on the Gemara on the Agatha's called Ben Yohayada, and he writes that here in Baghdad, in all these Arab lands, but soon Gemalim Harbe, we have a lot of uh, camels here uh, in Arabia, and I asked, and I asked how uh, their behavior, what their behavior is, and I was told I learned that the way they uh, do their pru is not back to back. It's uh, um, where the uh, 
Panim Neged Ochar, we're, uh, okay, you get it. Now, so he's dealing with the question. So he writes, Maybe it's Nishtan Wativim. Maybe the nature has changed because the Gemara is describing a reality that we no longer see today. And he gives an example because the Gemara in Saita says that when a female comes out of the mother and a male comes out of the mother, uh, they come out differently. Uh, uh, the, f- the female comes out Neteva Panel Amayla, facing upwards, and the Zahar, uh, the face is downward. Uh, now, the Ben Ishchai says that I asked around, and that's not the way babies are born today, so we must say that it was Nishan Wativim. By the way, the Gemara in Saita is saying that Pari told Shifra and Pua that before the baby is born, they should, they should be able to tell whether it's a male or a female using this method and then kill it before it comes out. And so the mother wouldn't know. The mother would just say, oh, the baby died in childbirth. Uh, and the Gemara says that this is the simon. So he's like, well, obviously it's Nishan Wativim uh, because it's not happening. So he thinks that maybe the same thing is with uh, the camel. Okay. Either way, what you see is that there's a certain description here about how the camels are, uh, uh, bring the next generation of camels into being. And that's going to be important for the story, as we'll see momentarily. But before we get there, there's one more reference to this, where this, as we're going to see now, is considered quite sneistic for camels. Why is this quite sneistic, or where do we see that it's sneistic? This is in the story of Yaakov and Esau. When Yaakov sends all these animals to Esau, the Torah lists Izim and Tyashim, Rechelim and Elim, but then when it comes, so that's male and female. Izim, Tyashim, Rechelim, Elim. Skip camels for a second. Parois, Parim. Asloinois, Ayarim. So each one, you have the male and the female of the animal, except for Gemalim, Enikois, Uvneam, Shloishim. You have female uh, nursing camels, and 30 uh, children. So there is no mention of males here. Um, uh, and so Rashi brings a Medrash Agada that maybe there is a reference to males here. Because Ubnehem is not their children, but Banoehem, the builders. Who are the builders? Well, the builders are the males. So maybe Uvnehem doesn't mean the children, and maybe it means the builders. The builders are the males. And so there's a hint here to the males. Why is it not, say, clearly male camels? Why is it uh, 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 only a remez? The fact that their faces are in opposite directions, that shows on a high level of tzniyas that camels have. And therefore, Hashem, uh, excuse me, in the Torah, you end up having not a reference to uh, 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 the, the males in an overt way because such so tzniyistic so we're, we're going to even hide the fact that there are males here usually tzniyist means hide the females here tzniyist means hide the males okay so um, uh, so now the Rebbe builds into this remember we're talking about we're talking about these uh, spiritual ruchniyistic bale madrega lying on the floor their foot their lowest madrega is so high that even the yid who's doing maisa mitzvahs who's involved in maisa mitzvahs together with Ava and Yira who's represented by the tayah is going under them on a camel. You're not just talking about a Jew who does mitzvahs with Ava and Yira. You're talking about a Jew on a very high level. Even his animal, which is the goof and the nefesh of Hamas, is a gomel, is a camel. Camel represents an edel and nefesh of Hamas. Why? Because Sanuah Batashmish. And here the Rebbe brings the Tumah Marech Hazal, Ha'oicher Bein Agmalim, that was the first one we saw, Uvneim Uvano Eim, that was the second one that we saw, Ashal Acha Chetet Sadas, Yeshal Agamir Blaytaiv, although after Chetet Sadas it's impossible to be engaged in the act without any selfishness. Avo Begin, you're talking about someone who basically reached that level. You're talking about a kid who basically reached a level where even in this area of sexuality, he doesn't even have any personal drive here. So, Mamish, you're talking about a kid on a very, very high madre. Then the Rebbe goes further. This piece, 
I don't know if I fully understood it, but we'll try our best. Another symbolism about the fact that he's riding on a camel. The Gemara in Brachim says, If you see a camel in a dream, so then it means something. What does it mean? It means you were supposed to die, but you were saved from this decree. Okay, so this is part of a long sugya in Brachis that gives meanings and interpretations for many dreams. It's a sugya that I would like to learn one day and, uh, uh, and understand, but I, I'm not there yet. Um, now, the Rebbe is going to pick up on this. The, the Gemara says, if you see a camel in a dream, so now let's interpret. What does the dream mean? The dream is, a time when we're like dreamers, which is when Zmana goes. So we're talking about someone who is living through Galus and Misa, so then Misa Niknasa Allah bin Ashman. If you see Ogamo on the Chaloim, then Misa Niknasa Allah bin Ashman, Vitsilomimana, what does that mean? Pirush, Ayyidehis, Bainanus, Balarasui. We're talking about a Roya. The way I understand what the Rebbe is saying over here, Roya means you're seeing. Seeing, what type of seeing over there? A seeing of meditation. That you did such deep meditation, Ayyidehis, Bainanus, and therefore your Roya. In a chaloim, even though it's a time of darkness, it's a time of galus, even though it's a chaloim, you're still misbinding an alikus and you're roya. And as a result, you had rasui, which is ras libcha, ras libcha in a way of kleis uh, So that's the meaning. You're supposed to die. In other words, your mamish holding by kleis hanafesh, your hisbininus is holding, giving, leading you to Kleis HaNafesh, or it's similar to the idea of someone who did so much of it. The Mishnah says that when you reach 100, it's like you're dead. So that's a very not nice thing to say about people. Chesidus Tanches, that it means that you did so much Avoida that you're a from Velt and Gantin from you're a So everybody's saying that's what's happening here. You have someone who, despite living in a Chaloim, despite living in Golos, is a Roya, he's having his Boinunos, and as a result, Either he's hacher from Velt, it's as if he died, or he's about to have Chloe Sanafesh. But God said, you know, I want you back here in this world, and which is which you still need to uh, be down here in the world. So here's a second point where the Rebbe taps into the symbolism of the Gomal and says that, th- that this is really showing how high of a level uh, 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 the, the Jew is, not the Mason Midbar, how high of a level the Jew is. Veloyoid, moreover, Shaskifa Rumcha, he has a, an erect uh, spear. What is that? The Rebbe says, Krishma. That represents Krishma. What's the source? Zoyar. And we're not talking about Krishma, we're talking about Mesiris Nefesh to Krishma. So now look what happened over here. We took a Jew. The Jew is doing Torah Mitzvah, number one. He's doing Ava and Yira, number two. Number three, Oiske Edel says Nefesh Bahamas. Okay. Number four, he's even having his boinunos and ratsui and, and all that stuff. And number five, he's coming along with a strong krishma, which is mesiris nefesh, ma'is rosham and kanam shemachot, and achsidus paiches, what type of madrega this is? And despite all these heights, loy noga afu chinas regal the meisim midbar, he still is going under the leg of the meisim midbar. That shows you how high of a level the meisim midbar are talking about. Here's the zayar the Rebbe is referring to. The zayar says, Rumcha is Ramach. The Roimach is, is made up of those letters. So Ramach is the Krishma because there are 248 words in Krishma and then you need a Vav for the Roimach. Uh, in Hebrew, you drop the Aleph. So the Aleph is not important. 
Um, uh, but you do need to understand what the Vav is representing. So it says, Imshis Tevin the Yehuda with the six words of Yehuda of Achtos, which means Shema Yisrael, Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echad. That gives you Ramach plus Vav Ha Roimach. So that's why Krishma represents uh, the, the, the Roimach. Okay, so now, till now, this whole story is telling you the Maila of who? Of the Mesa Midbar. Okay, so really, if you just pause here, this is a theme that you see many times by Inchsidus, where we look at people, the stories in the Tanakh, and the mistakes that they made, and there is a tendency to almost understand, like, wow, like, they were on such a low level. And this time, and again, shows no very, very high level. And so far, that's what this story is all about. Look how high of a level those guys, they're much better than you. You're only able to go under them. They made a mistake, but that's on their, their, their business with God. It was a spiritual mistake. They're on a much higher level. But now the Rebbe is going to shift and he's going to say that the continuation of this story of Rabbi Baruch Hanna is actually now going to show us the Maila of the Taya. It's going to show us the Maila of this Arab uh, 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 merchant who's going under him, meaning it's going to show the Maila of us and our Avedis Hashem over them. Continuing 26, the Im calls them, despite the greatness of the Meisei Midbar, Mesaper, Mailas Haseder, the Taya. It tells you the greatness of the Avoida of the Jew, Hanichnasim Laeretz Yisrael, who goes into Eretz Yisrael, which is Eretz Canaan, Eretz Canaan, and here the Rebbe is calling it Eretz Canaan, because it's the land where we do the Avoida of Canaan, Maisa Mitzvah, taking things from the world of Klippa and bringing it into the world of Ktusha. Where do we see this Maila of a Yid and our Avoida and the Avoida of Maisa Mitzvah, the Rabbi Baruchana, not Alkarna, the Tchalta? That Rabbi Aruchana took a corner of the Tchelis. We interpreted before, took the corner of Tzitzis. In the corner of the Tzitzis, there was white and there is blue. But it uses Dafka the word Tchelis. Why does it use Dafka the word Tchelis? The Nakuda was the Tzitzis. The Frat, if he's looking for three or four, there's not a Gea at the Tchelis. The three or four is not a Gea at the Tchelis. Why does it use Tchelis? So the Rabbi Taich is like this. Pirish Bachazirusa Lavay Dezashuv. When Rav Archan is going back to Avedis Hashuv, here the Rebbe actually clarifies something that wasn't clear in the Rishim until now. This, this whole story that we're saying over here, Rabbi Barachana himself is going on this type of journey. Rabbi Barachana, by going to the Meisei Midbar, means he's adopting their mindset. It means he's adopting their way of life. He's, for a few moments at least, becoming a person of the Midbar, separated from Gashmi, is going on a spiritual journey to have close enough. Rabbi Barachana himself is doing that. And now he's going back. Going back is like, okay, that was a nice Rasui. And now I'd like to have a shuv. He took a little of their tchelas. What tchelas means? Tchelas could also is a, could be a color, but tchelas could also mean to wipe out, to eliminate. And tichla, tichla can mean to destroy. And when the Zayar talks about tchelas, it says the words, the achla vashati, it consumes and destroys agashmias. So, so tchelas is. A mindset of no Gashmias, no Velt, only spirituality. Rabbi Rabbi Khan is like, I'm going back to Gashmias and Lamazah. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of their mindset. I'm going to take a little bit of this mindset of spirituality negating a physical way of life. Yeah, I'm going back to Shuv, but let's say I'm going to take a little of that I'm going to take. Avalaz, but with that, he couldn't go out of the midbar. If you have that mentality, if you have that mentality of the primacy of spirituality and then you are not able to enter the physical world. That's why he's not able to move. That's not why now he's in an ambulance. He can't get anywhere because of the fact that he has that mentality of I took their tchelis, I took tchelis, I took the wiping out of gashmias. He can't move. The Rebbe adds, Ulev Shalaymar, perhaps you can say that this is similar to the Rashbi of Rabbi Lazar, Shakal Makin Shanafsam Anayim Vachulu. The Gemara in Shabbat says, 
that wherever they looked, they were destroying. What does that mean, wherever they looked, that they were destroying? They were basically saying that uh, you can't have a Gashmistika type of life. So they had to go back to the cave. So just like Hashem was saying, hey, if you have that anti-Oilam Hazem mentality, you cannot be here, go back to your cave. So too, Rav 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 if you're taking the Tcheles and you have this anti-Oilam Hazem mentality, you can't move. You have to stay here in the Midbar. You can't go back to the Yishuv. Now, for the next point, the Rebbe points to the Rashbam. The Rashbam, on the Dibra Masav, Eloi Hava Mestagilon, we weren't able to move, the Rashbam says, Behem Moshe, Yinu Reich, Eloi Hoi Yuchayim Lelech. The animals that we were riding couldn't go. Now, if you look at it, really, Rashbam didn't have to say it. Why did Rashbam? Rashbam could have said, I couldn't walk. Why did Rashbam say, the animals that we were on couldn't move? So the Rebbe uh, is going to interpret that in the continuation of the story. So now, the Arab merchant tells him, He is the one who knows, what does he represent? He represents, he represents not the Meisei Midbar. So he knows the truth. And he tells Rabbi Rabbi Gemiri, we have a Kabbalah, a tradition. It's not understood. In other words, logic dictates that a higher level is separated from my Lamaza. How do you know that the ultimate of what God wants is not that, but Olam Hazah? You only know that because of Kabbalah, because of the fact that this is what Hashem said. But if you're going to follow logic, any person who came up with their own system of spirituality, it always was separate yourself from Olam Hazah. That's so what is our tradition? If you take anything from them, meaning if you adopt their mentality, you're not able to move. Peter Rashi, interesting that calls it Rashi, it's Rashbam. The animals that we were riding couldn't move. What does this mean? You cannot be a true grower, a true spiritual traveler. It is through that you could become a mover, someone who actually grows. And that's Tafka Aideha Guf and Nefesh Abhamis, which is the deal of Behemoisha Yinuroichvin. Rashbam is calling out that the animals couldn't move because really this is a story all about the animal, that the only way you could move is through the animal, meaning through doing the Avaidah of Mitzvahs on the animal, the Nefesh Abhamis. Why is it that you can't move? L'chaira, a spiritual seeker can't grow? A spiritual meditator can't, uh, uh, can't grow. The Avais weren't able to grow. What do we mean? An angel can't grow. What do we mean that you can only move, you can only be a Mahalech through the avoid of the Gubna of Shavam Zemitz, says the Rebbe, Ki Mahalech, what does it mean to be a grower? If you want true growth, it means to get out of the system. And Kolzman Shehu Beseder Shavshos, because so long that you're in the system, that we call Sejus you're in the same ballpark. Yeah, you achieved growth. But today you're in Chesed, then you went up one other level, you went up another level. It's all relative to where you were before. You're all in the same ballpark. So that's not real called growth. Or another way of saying it is when you reach level four, you can still see level three, you can still see level two, you can still see level one, which means you're still connected to those levels, which means you didn't really surpass them yet. When, however, you do Maisa Mitzvahs, when you work on the Gulf of the Nefesh Bahamas, so then what happens? Then you're, 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 you're tapping into Hecharf and say, there's oh, that's growth. That's the real growth that could be achieved. And so this is the symbolism of the immobility that he uh, had uh, at this point. And so therefore, whereas the beginning of the Rishima is really building up how great these people were, and you are on a lower level than them, but at the same time, you could be on a lower level 
but if you want to be a mahalich, or another way of saying it, and do God's kavana, yeah, I'm on a lower level, but I'm going to be a mahalich and do God's kavana, and that's safka through the, the, not the Mesei Midbar's mentality, it's safka through the mentality of my Mitzvahs. So personally, what I, uh, now the Rishimi continues, and he actually goes to explain the, the, the tzitzis thing, the three and the four, but I thought this would be enough, and definitely in terms of time, that is the case. So uh, what I found very interesting about this is that it's very consistent with what the Rebbe says in the later years with the Sikhs. The messaging of Parsha Shlach in the Sikhs is very much along these lines, but not giving us this interpretation in terms of this, in this Gemara. For whatever reason, the Rebbe didn't uh, give it to us. And I'd say that um, when the Rebbe interpreted the, the Kam Rab of the Shachtel Agadita, another wild Gemara, and the Rebbe also interpreted that um, according to Chassidus, and by the way, connected a little to this. that whole thing. The Rebbe said that he, uh, he's saying he could have said it at the Purim Fabrengen. He chose not to because he didn't want it to be broadcast around the world. And he's asking that when Sikhs in English uh, produced this Sikha, because um, it was Tash Memdalid Shmini, I think. Shmini Memdalid. It was Shabbat. When Sikhs in English does the Fabrengen, they should not translate it. Uh, so you see, I don't know if you want to connect this, but a certain hesitancy of of taking a Gemara and just introducing this a wild interpretation to a wild Gemara, the Rebbe seemed to be hesitant about, well, the Rebbe did it, although he waited many, many years, Mandalad. I'd assume that the Rebbe had well, this interpretation from the beginning. The, the, okay, it's a good question, I don't know, but the Rebbe, the Rebbe said not to do it. I'm wondering if there's a connection here, that although the ideas you have here, the Rebbe said throughout the years, but in terms of putting it into the interpretation of this, um, of this Gemara, the Rebbe, never, uh, the Rebbe never did. Again, it's all speculation. But in, ter- in summary, the, the basic theme here, the, the fancy word is motif, is something that uh, repeats itself again and again and again. That is, you're on a lower level than them. These guys are really spiritual greats, but on the other hand, in terms of fulfilling the Kavana and in terms of our achievements, we're able to achieve more Tafke through, uh, through this. So we live in a world where most of us don't have this challenge. In other words, most of us aren't predisposed to crave for spirituality at, uh, um, at the expense of, uh, of uh, Yishuv. We're all very happy in Yishuv. But the lesson that we need to take from this is that, and the Rebbe did say this on other occasions, that you need to have that, that other side you need to have. That, like, oh yeah, that spirituality is meaningful and I want to have a relationship with Hashem and it should be a real thing. But then, not to get lost with that and to then always bring it down to direct how we live our lives in a Gashmistic way. Chai. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just, it doesn't seem it's just like, it's like a...